Coming up on Philosophy Talk, Theodore Adorno and the culture industry. Aren't the cultural products of capitalism bound to be pure crap? You are literally pop culture literate. I have a college degree. My pop culture references are Hamlet, Achilles, and Dorian Gray. Ever heard of any of them? Uh, Sam, you really need to be educated. It's understood that Hollywood sells doesn't capitalism produce cultural products that are exploitative and manipulative? Murder, crime, poverty, these things don't concern me. concerns me. Celebrity magazines, television with 500 channels, some guy's name on my underwear. Our guest is Adrian Daub from Stanford University, co-author of the James Bond songs, Pop Anthems of Late Capitalism. Adorno and the Culture Industry. Coming up on Philosophy Talk. Is popular culture just a way for capitalism to breed conformity? Or does the market give us exactly the art we desire? When money does the talking, does original art even stand a chance? Welcome to Philosophy Talk, the program that questions everything. Except your intelligence. I'm Josh Landy. And I'm Ken Taylor. We're here at the studios of KLW San Francisco. Continuing conversations that begin at Philosopher's Corner on the Stanford campus, where Ken teaches philosophy, and I direct the Philosophy and Literature Initiative. Today, we're thinking about Adorno, Theodore Donor, that is, and the culture industry. Industry? Culture? Ken, culture's not an industry. Culture's made by people. <laughs> Josh, you surprise me. You have such a quaint vision. Well, you think culture is made by, like, hipsters in artist colonies or individual creators toiling away in obscurity or something like that? Well, that's certainly part of the picture. <laughs> Teeny tiny part, Josh. Come on. Culture is big business these days. I mean, think of a, compare it to a conveyor belt in a Ford factory. You know that factory turns out millions of cars, each one's more or less identical. And that's exactly how Hollywood works. It's a factory too, Josh. It turns out zillions and zillions of films, each one more or less identical, give or take a star or a scenery or a little plot twist. So, okay, so Blade Runner is the same as, as, as Citizen Kane, uh, a Seventh Seal is identical to when Harry met Sally? Different paint job, same engine, Josh. And you know what the engine is. It's capitalism. Oh. It's just like Adorno says. All these big-budget movies celebrate the system that makes them possible. They present life under capitalism as a paradise, a wonderful world where the system takes care of everyone. Marx got it wrong. It's not religion. It's movies that are the opium of the people, Josh. You sound like a conspiracy theorist, Ken. Where's your tinfoil hat, dude? <laughs> I see they've gotten to you, too, Josh. You've been watching too many of those movies. Which ones have you been watching? Uh, I don't know. How about uh, Requiem for a Dream or, or 12 Years a Slave? I mean, there's plenty of movies out there that don't present life as a paradise. That's because the capitalists are clever. Those movies just show, they're designed to show, that resistance is futile. That's what Adorno would say. They make us feel like there's no hope, no point fighting back. They make us resigned to the capitalist system. Sounds like your friend Adorno wants to have it both ways. I mean, you know, all movies show people getting the help they need, except for the ones that don't. That's called dialectical thinking, Josh. You know, thesis and thesis, synthesis. That's, that's what it is. Yeah, I have a different word for it, Ken, but maybe I won't use it on the radio. Oh, please don't. <laughs> there, look. Look, there's tons of art out there that isn't about conformity and it isn't about futility. It's about resistance. So think about, I don't know, the music of Annie DeFranco or, or that great film you and I both love, Get Out. 
Josh, you're not seeing the comprehensiveness of the system. It's like Adorno says, look, the content of something can parade as countercultural, but if the form is conventional, it just reinforces the status quo. Look, to really wake people up from their consumerist slumbers, you have to be transgressive, truly transgressive. Revolutionary art requires revolutionary forms, Josh. But there, there's plenty of revolutionary forms even now. Think of, think of the movies of Spike Lee or, oh. or punk. Or oh. or hip hop or uh, well go, go back to Adorno's period. Think about jazz, right? I mean, when these forms first hit the scene, they were revolutionary, innovative, transgressive. Uh, you know, even though they were produced under the same capitalist system you keep talking. Look, about. look, look. I'm going to concede to you a tiny bit that Adorno maybe exaggerates a tiny little. Oh, bit. you could say that again. No, but he's getting at the truth, a profound truth. When art is commodified, when it needs to make money, it's bound to sell out. It has to. I mean, think of all those crappy sequels, Rocky 74 or something like that. <laughs> think product placement. Come on. Look, it's not that different, Ken, from how it's always been. I mean, don't forget all the art that was made for monarchs or for the church. Don't forget Shakespeare pandering to the groundlings. Look, there's always been patrons and there's always, always been audiences to please. But, but here's the thing people still manage to produce great no, art. You're just missing it, Josh. Look, look, I agree that art can be produced in many different eras and all that sort of stuff, but in capitalism, art is a mere commodity. That's all it is. It's designed to make money and nothing more. We've lost the sense that art is something radically free, something valuable for its own sake and not just for the money it can make. It's not just a commodity. We've lost art that shows us even the possibility that we can have a different world, a world that's not so rapacious. Come on, Josh. I mean, that I agree with you uh, on. I, mean, I think we really do need a space like that showing us a vision of a different kind of world. All I'm saying is we still have it, right? I'm not saying today's system is perfect. I'm just saying it's also given us some really great art. I see it's going to take some work to convince you from your commodified capitalist slumber, <laughs> Josh. And maybe our roving philosophical reporter, Liza Veal, can help. We sent her to find out more about what was driving Ardorno to these fascinating ideas and how they resonate in today's pop culture. She files this report. When Theodore Adorno was living in exile in the United States in the late 30s and early 40s, he must have been jarred by pop culture's failure to reckon with the war back in Europe. The most popular movies at the time glorified Americans' role in the war, like the hit Wake Island. They didn't have enough weapons. They didn't have enough men. All they had were guts and each other. Pop culture offers an escape from powerlessness when we need it. To Adorno, that's part of what made it a problem. It also gives us a chance to confront power when that's what we need. When we watch Charlie Chaplin's The Great Dictator, we get to make a mockery of the Hitler figure, heard here giving a speech followed by a translator. We must tighten our belts. His Excellency has just referred to the Jewish people. In this imaginary space, viewers get to belittle the great dictator. Chill off the Jews, wipe out the brunettes. Then will come forth our dream, a pure Aryan race. Beautiful blonde Aryan. They will love you, they will adore you, they will worship you as a god. <gasps> no, no, you mustn't say it. You make me afraid of myself. At this point in the movie, the dictator has climbed up the curtains in fright. Leave me. I want to be alone. For Adorno, this vicarious experience replaces the real experience of living under power. 
rebellion is given vent. Today, when we listen to Trevor Noah cleverly make a fool of Donald Trump, it feels like consolation that at least we're on the right team. Once you realize that Trump is basically the perfect African president, <laughs> you start to notice the similarities everywhere. I'm really rich. I have a great temperament. They love me anyway. I don't have to do this. The people like me very much. I am very popular. I am very powerful. I am the one who has got the money. These feel like battles we're winning. But Adorno would point out that the real winner is what he calls the culture industry. TV, magazines, movies, the whole business behind culture. CNN executive John Martin predicted a Trump win would be, quote, a bit better from a business standpoint, explaining there would be a, quote, general fascination that wouldn't be the same under a Clinton administration. But can something be good for the culture industry and social progress at the same time? The past two years have shown us that being woke definitely sells. See pretty much any of the Super Bowl commercials. When disaster strikes to one, we all get together and support each other. That's the nature of humanity. I'll stand by you. That one's for mass mutual insurance. This next one's for Ram Trucks with the voice of Martin Luther King. The mainstreaming of wokeness has also been a boon to the newest subset of the culture industry, social media, like this genre of viral video. An ally is a person that wants to fight for the equality of a marginalized group that they're not a part of. We need your help building this house, but you probably should listen so you know what to do first. Let's do this. It's hard to parse which of our experiences online carry over to the rest of our lives. Adorno wrote that, quote, on all sides, the borderline between culture and empirical reality becomes more and more indistinct. The fact that Trump is a reality TV star is a merciless twist on that thought, and his spectacles have real empirical consequences. If it weren't for me, you wouldn't even be talking about illegal immigration, Chris. You wouldn't even be talking about it. Adorno wrote about the many kinds of deception it takes to get people to support a political program that, as he wrote, is largely incompatible with their own rational self-interest. He was writing about capitalism. In his framework, the culture industry is there to do whatever capitalism needs it to do to make us okay with capitalism. Right now, a sense of momentum towards social justice is something people are willing to pay for. The box office busting Black Panther is part of that. You get to decide what kind of king you are going to be. The revolution will be live. In the pop culture space, at least, it feels like progress. That's why it's so unsettling to learn things like this. In terms of wealth, things are getting worse for Black and Latino people in this country. One prediction is that by 2053, median wealth for Black and Latino people will be zero. Actually, poor people of all races are getting poorer, while rich people get richer. It's sickening to contemplate. It makes you want to watch a movie about vanquishing the rich. We're starting a people's uprising. Do you fancy joining us? That would make me feel better. Yes, I'd love to. We own now. We own now. For Philosophy Talk, I'm Liza Veal. You can listen to the rest of this episode by purchasing it on iTunes Music. Or for unlimited listening, subscribe to our archive at philosophytalk.org.